this is Kate Scalsa, and I'm the author of Luminary, A Magical Guide to Self-Care. I made Luminary because I wanted to talk to some of the most interesting, magical people I know about some tools that help us navigate the complexities of this ongoing process of life. And that's what you're going to hear in these episodes, me talking with magical people about these tools and what they can bring to our lives. These interviews were originally recorded as a series on Instagram Live, so you'll get our full authenticity and even some charming glitches. I hope these conversations help you. And if you want more, I hope you'll find your way to a copy of Luminary. You can start that journey by finding my book on my website, kateskelsa.com. That's K-A-T-E-S-C-E-L-S-A.com. My name is Kate Skelsa, and I am an author and playwright, and uh, my new book, Luminary, a Magical Guide to Self-Care, is coming out from Simon & Schuster, uh, November 8th, shoot, <laughs> November 8th, I think. We changed it. It was supposed to come out earlier, and now it's more of a... Um, holiday moment which uh it actually just got a nice mention on the publisher's weekly holiday gift guide um so this is it's going to be a really nice gift actually it's going to be a hardcover um really beautifully designed like yeah give it as a gift to all the cool witchy kids in your life so um this book is uh nonfiction self-help book uh, about using um, different mystical and practical tools to help with stress and depression and um, real life problems that we all face, but especially as young adults, we often face for the first time. So uh, because I wanted to cover a lot of different topics in this book, I knew I didn't ever want to be presenting myself as some kind of expert on a bunch of different topics that I'm just sort of interested in and enjoy. And I also wanted to stress um, the idea of not listening to just one voice, especially sort of as an adult talking to young adults. I didn't want to present myself as some sort of authority. I wanted to bring in a bunch of different kinds of people and people with different experiences um, to share how they use these tools in their lives. So um, one of the people I, per, people I interviewed for this book is my friend Aram. And I'll just do a little intro for who Aram is. Okay. Aram Jabilian is a queer social worker, therapist, artist, performer, and full-time human being. After many years working in the New York art gallery scene, he pivoted to being a full-time care provider, working primarily with trans and queer-identified individuals. His journey began at the Trevor Project, a 24-hour lifeline dedicated to LGBTQIA plus youth. He continued his journey working with the communities at the Center and Covenant House, a shelter for youth experiencing homelessness. In addition to keeping his cat, Bear, thank you for mentioning the cat, entertained, <laughs> he maintains a private psychotherapy practice working with individuals and couples. So Aram uh, is the first to appear in this little series of conversations that I wanted to have, um, just leading up to the book coming out and kind of um, revisiting some of the ideas that we got to talk about a couple of years ago. So thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, you're welcome, Kate. Thank you for asking me. Of course. <laughs> um, so one of the reasons I'm happy we're starting with talking about um, traditional talk therapy in this context is that a goal of mine with this book was um, taking these mystical practices like tarot, like astrology, like energy work, and showing how they can be applied to things that we think of as less magical. And um, I think most people think of talk therapy as not necessarily a magical thing. It feels like a very practical kind of thing. And I'm someone who I've always wanted to bring those tools and that more magical stuff into that mm -hmm. kind of practice. And I know when we spoke before that you had used um, tarot as part of your practice before. 
Yeah, I'm not really like a in a superficial level, but it was um, just a couple times when I was working with young people, and they were both young people who were also artists, and they had shown me some of their work. So I was very inspired by like Marvel and manga, manga, you know, yeah, yeah, um, images, and so, and they were feeling kind of stuck. So a lot of times in therapy, people come in. And they don't really know what they necessarily want to talk about. They know there's a lot going on. But part of the reason people come into therapy in young people is to sort of to voice things that have not been voiced before. So so it's difficult to voice those things, right? So sometimes you need, it's nice to have like a tool that can kind of just like spark, you know, the unconscious. Um, Art therapy can do that bringing in a song that they really love or painting they love can do that. But with this one person, I had just sort of started doing tarot. So the first time I used it with this person, he was actually describing this experience he had had of being really overwhelmed. Um, And it made me think about this uh, tarot card that I had just pulled. And so I'd have the tarot with me. And so I just sort of was like, it was kind of on a whim. Um, and it was, but it was, yeah, it was really cool. And so after that, I've, I've, I've done it a couple of times and I do, you know, I'll always ask with clients, it's really good to find out like, oh, what are your kind of spiritual practices? What are your ideas about mysticism? Things that are kind of beyond what we can see. Cause a lot of times it could be an inroad into yeah. that kind of unconscious processing, which is really what we want to be doing. You know, like I always say like with clients, like if it feels like you're telling me something in the same way that you've been telling all your friends, right? let me know, right? Because, um, that you know, we really want to make the most out of this time. And sometimes people can really get lost in that, like, storytelling. And it becomes almost dissociative in its own way. Yes. So what we want to do is really bring them more into, like, this moment, into their body right now. And, yeah, and hopefully you know, get to those unconscious places that they're not fully aware of, but that are kind of being expressed in their life. You know, like we say, kind of coming out sideways, like getting really triggered all of a sudden and not knowing why and these kind of things, you know. So, right. um, so tarot, I think, is great for that. And later on, if we have a moment, I wanted to, first of all, I want to share a card that I pulled this morning. Yes. <laughs> with you as I was thinking about you specifically and the talk we were going to do today. But then maybe at the end, if you want me, we can pull a card for you too and see how somewhere well, for you to go with it. Uh, I have my Oracle deck and I was going to oh. pull one for us too. Ah, okay. <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> so we'll pull cards at the yeah. end. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's really it's interesting to me because in the tarot chapter, I talk a lot about this idea of externalizing the tarot as a tool to really tangibly externalize a problem or a question or, or what's going on with you. I mean, that was the thing when I started working with tarot that seemed so amazing to me um, that has a real relationship, I think, to therapy because in therapy, we're just trying to, you're just trying to get it out of your mouth, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. up here and that responsibility. Yeah, and it's like, how do we get it out here so I can speak it so that That's right. my therapist can hear it? And I think, you know, I even in therapy often, that feels like a big responsibility to figure out how to externalize that without those tools and sometimes a tool can be um such a beautiful way of being like all right i feel like the empress that's how i feel or i feel like you know i feel like this card i just i need i love that to have like your therapist yeah talking about specifically about your own therapy yeah and are you is is your therapist no tarot yeah oh yeah my therapist is very Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's super witchy. Yeah. So she knows what you're talking about. Do you guys does she come in with her own like interpretation of what Empress means to her? And then you got or is it Totally. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Cool. Yeah. Cause I think I get um well I I get 
performance anxiety and therapy. <laughs> yeah. Not to make this about me and my therapy, but I think sometimes that burden of feeling like, right, how do I talk about these things? Absolutely. That helping something that already exists that can sort of help you externalize and sort through feelings um, is so helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and I think, I mean, therapy is also really interesting. They have this thing in common where I think it's both about a kind of witnessing, right? I mean, the whole point of talk therapy is to be witnessed. And I think the cards can feel like a kind of witness to mm, in my beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Well, and we're bringing out... Um, and in bringing out this stuff into the open, you and I talked in uh, in our conversation for the book a lot about this idea of of shame and of mm-hmm. feeling like there's something wrong with us, or we should be a different way than we are. We should yeah. feel a different way than how we feel, um, and it's almost like shining a light on those dark corners then starts to dissipate some of that shame I think yeah 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 and I think that's what I love about your about the book I think it's great and that I love that like therapy is a slice of the book not like the pie yeah because I think a lot of times people do come into therapy and they really they want it to be the fix they want it to be the silver bullet you know, because it should be, or because from like expectations, right? So I, I love that you wrote this book and like luminary, like illumination, like the different things, right? That these different ways we can like shine light into the corners of our, of our interior, internal world, kind of see them reflected in the external world, um, you know, through discussing, talking with someone and like having them kind of respond and react in real time to like what we're sharing. Um, so yeah, the, 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 with the shame and the shoulds, I think the really important flashlight, you know, one of the therapy can be really, I think, useful kind of flashlight because a lot of times we're carrying those and they're not, they're not, they're intrinsic. They're so intrinsic. Like we've never even questioned them because they're so ingrained, right? And they might have been ingrained by our family, different cultures, ingrained different values that are really rigid. Right. Um, you know, just like our world, like our macro, macro world of like capitalism, we ingrain a lot of things, you know. And so, you know, and like, and, and I was just talking with a friend and my partner before this. And, you know, a lot of times those things are useful, right? They can be useful. Right. Um, you know, I should have friends. Yes. Cause friends are good. You know, <laughs> you know, I should go to school and study what I like. Yeah. Cause it's good to, but it's sort of when they, so in a way they be, they're useful in the beginning a lot of times because they, they kind of launch us. Yeah. So I always tell people they're like the boosters. Yeah. But then once the rocket is coasting, it doesn't need the boosters, you know, they kind of drop off and we, so that you're just sort of like kind of exploring in your own, your own ether. But a lot of times I think in that, process when we begin to have difficult feelings or we st- we question ourselves yeah these shoulds can really come in and um i shouldn't be feeling this way is like right. a classic one right i should be happy right um why am i sad so um i shouldn't be sad so like a lot of times when clients bring in those kind of questions i'll say you know what just just say say you know just take out the question and take out the why just say I'm so sad. Right. If you want to work the why in there, just say, I'm so sad and I don't know why. And that <laughs> makes it even harder because I don't want to be, you know, it's hard to be sad, right? Right. But when we do the why, it just keeps, it gets our conscious mind so awake and active. And it could really be, going back to tarot, I see the sword as the should symbol. Yeah. <laughs> the sword is like the ultimate should symbol, right? And um, it's a double edge. So the right. same thing, like the intellect can be double-edged, the shoulds are double-edged, right? They can work for us sometimes. They can also work against us. So they can really work against us in those moments where we are experiencing pain, sadness, grief, 
we don't want to be because it's it's holding us back in some way. We, it's confusing. We don't know why. And so we do this thing with, you know, the Buddhists call like second arrow. So mm-hmm. there's already the difficult feelings. And now we're kind of adding even more pain to it, right? Mm-hmm. By not giving it like the compassion and space that it really um, is asking for, right? And that we would give anyone else. that we You would give anyone else, you know? Yeah, abs- that's a great way. So that's a good tool, I find, either in journal writing or, you know, people are like kind of self-talking, like, what would you say to a child who you really loved who is experiencing this or your pet or what we, or your best friend or whatever it is. Right. Um, and oftentimes that voice is so much softer than the one we use on ourselves. So right. that's a really, that's a great tool. Yeah. Well, and part of my mission in this book is showing the ways in which, um, capitalism encourages that voice of telling us that there's something wrong with us because then we have something to fix. We can be sold things to fix that thing. We can spend our energy trying to fix something that doesn't need to be fixed rather than living our truth and helping humanity and doing glorious yeah. beautiful things and doing what we're supposed to be here doing we can spend instead a lot of time um feeling much smaller than we should be and that serves people who unfortunately can benefit from that i mean it's mm-hmm. cynical to say but it's very true you can be um, if you think there's something inherently wrong with you, you're very vulnerable to then being controlled and sold things and, um, yeah, told who that, you know, you're looking maybe for a reason to blame someone else that you feel yeah. adequate. I mean, it's it's not a place of strength. And unfortunately, capitalism does not want us to be in our strength. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's my real mission for the book. You know, I sold this book as like, it's fun. It's about witches and tarot and it's just cool and like whatever. And then like the whole book is like, how many times did I use the word capitalism? <laughs> Good. I mean, I think it's a, especially for young people, right? Talk about something that's sort of a lot of times just like we think about it like air, right? Like unchecked. Like, and all the notions that come with it. You know, we just think about capitalism as money. Yeah. But it's not, right? It's a whole set of beliefs and worldviews. And it's, it's white, it comes with white supremacy. And it comes with um, just, all, you know, all the things that we should be that we're not. And that, you know, ends up um, leaving us in a, in a place that becomes really, like, hard to accept ourselves, right? Like, there's a lot of, like, radical acceptance is a big kind of buzzword right now to, like, in but it's but it but it really is. I mean, acceptance is radical, right? Because there yeah. is something about it that, like, you know, the next step of that is well, well, then I don't need to buy that. If I can accept myself as I am, then I actually don't need to buy that thing. Right. Um, you know, you said the word fix, so I think acceptance is also like kind of a good counterpart to the word fix. You know, a lot of times people come in to therapy, and part of it is that they do want something fixed, right? Like why am I still single? Like, why am I still, right? There's like this, um, or why do I still feel sad even, right? Like sometimes, um, yeah, we want things fixed, especially things that feel really uncomfortable that don't get kind of validation from the world, right? But like the bridge to kind of living, I think, a fuller life, I think part of it has to be like acceptance, right? We have to like accept this part of ourselves as it is. And then, you know, there's those like the serenity prayer, like, you know, accepting the things I cannot change, right. the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. That takes a lot of work, you know, like that. Yeah, it like, sounds very I mean, simple. That is hard. That is really, really hard. Um, let me tell you. <laughs> um, well, especially when it's turned on yourself. I mean, it's one thing to say, to look at the world outside of your own head and, and start to sift through, okay, what can I control what can i not control what am i trying to control that it's misguided for me to try to control this in here when it's like what should i you think you should be able to control it all or i think a lot of people think that that 
you know, you talked about, um, and I, I, I think about this a lot. You mentioned one of the shoulds for you in your life was, um, feeling like, uh, you don't, Mm. you don't enjoy your birthday and that it's like your, if you expect that on your, which I think a lot of, I think this is true for a lot of people. If you expect on your birthday that it's going to be the best day of the year and you're going to have the greatest time ever, you're going to be really angry at yourself and, and instead to be like, it's a complicated day for me. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, you know, I had in, um, in my family, there was sort of, uh, uh, I mean, depression runs in, um, in my family and there was always a lot of drama around Christmas and that people were sort of dropping like flies every year from depression that Chris, because Christmas had all of these expectations that this should be this incredible, perfect day with the perfect food. And we should all be so happy. And the whole, uh, the whole family should be getting along. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if it didn't feel like that, it was a failure and you were a failure for not, having the best time ever and it's just so self-sabotaging yeah and such a simple thing i mean to have that be the thing of like yeah you can't control how you feel on christmas like maybe you don't feel good maybe there's something else going on maybe it's just a normal day maybe like this i should can be so small Mm -hmm. that we don't even notice we're doing it to ourselves yeah absolutely yeah definitely no it's really insidious it's really kind of woven in there you know yeah and i yeah because i just um it's coming back for me a lot because i always think that i've really uh eradicated it and really sort of at least you know been like no i feel very comfortable with exactly how i am i've totally yeah and then I just had a baby two months ago. I was going to say, but parenthood challenges that. <laughs> oh, my God. A yeah. whole brand new level of shoulds that are coming from inside, coming from outside. People telling yeah. me what I should be able to do or how I should feel. Me telling myself that. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to trust your own authority and i think this is um i keep coming back to this in the book because what i want is for people to have a way to build up that inner authority because we're always looking yeah we don't trust it right we're always looking outside and yeah i don't know yeah which makes sense right because we do look because we do look out we you know when we're young like uh, that's such a huge part of like development, right? Is looking outside, wanting to be reflected, and 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 we really, you know, we take in the things that we definitely know the things that we shouldn't be, right? Like, <laughs> um, and we we really know the things we should, and like, um, yeah, you the, the conversation we had, I like the part that you included that had to do with like we never say like, oh, I should be, I should be less happy, I should be. Sure more straight i should you know i should i should be right, less right. athletic no right. like we know like we like you're you're yeah all the things that we're you know encouraged supposed to be we don't really know right it's so the things that like don't fit right that we don't see reflected outside um that aren't told us hey you know that's okay right and um and that can really become i mean you know that those things can layer and layer over you know over time and it yeah, it can really like stifle us, right? And it's like stymie, like living a full life. Um, you know, I was thinking about it this morning while I was taking a little walk, like about the shoulds and the tyranny of the shoulds, and and um, you know, so much of our, so much of the shoulds come from our past, right? Yeah. Like the things we've internalized over time that may or may not reflect the present moment, right? right. And they also get projected like these poison darts into the future. And we have this like sort of imaginary future that's like, you know, super negative and like, because we're afraid we're not going to meet those things. And, and, and all that just kind of keeps us from right now, like present moment. 
which is like where things are usually okay, right? Like right. right now in this moment, you know, and that's where all the, you know, so many, I think, teachings, right? Bring us back to like this, the present moment. Cause it's like really the only thing that's real. Yeah. It's like the only thing that is, you know, now. And if we can really just like tune in and like feel what's there. So in a way, I, you know, something I like to, you know, with people that get really caught up in the shoulds and anxiety, it's really hard to obviously do that. But I always, you know, they can also be an alarm though, right? Like if I all of a sudden am feeling like a lot of anxiety and should and da, 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 it could be like a signal of like, oh, I really need to like check in with myself right now. Like, how mm-hmm. am I doing? You know, you know, we say, are you hungry, angry, lonely, tired? Do you have any physical needs right now? Like what's happening in your body? Like, because that's real, like you have a body and that's real. And when, you know, the shoulds and all those things really exist, they exist everywhere. Um, but it's really a mental construction, right? So there's a, me- a meditation I really like around shoulds is like, you know, and sometimes it's hard to like, quote unquote, like as a therapist, obviously we're not trying to talk anyone out of anything, but it's also hard to see, you know, people that you develop a relationship with kind of beating themselves up and being hard yeah. on themselves all time. Sometimes I'll say that, I'll be like, it's really hard to see me like hear you, you keep, you know, but another thing to be able to do though, is to sort of, you know, like a beautiful way to sit with it is to just accept it. It could accept the fact that you're shooting right now, you know, <laughs> and accept like, you know, and the Thich Nhat Hanh has a really beautiful meditation. That's like, you know, breathing in, I'm aware of my mental formation, he says mental formation around this, what I should be or look like, you know, breathing out, I release that mental formation or breathing out. I feel the pain of that mental formation or breathing out. I imagine letting go of that mental formation, whatever it is. It's just about even accepting that, right. right. Even accepting that, like I'm doing that to myself and like feel, so that you could feel the sadness of that, that you're being hard on yourself that way. Right. Right. So it's like going more like, I don't know, there's so many different ways to like um, go into it. And I think, yeah. you know, part of what therapy is great is that you work with someone who gets to know you and like gets to know what you respond to, you know, yeah. and it becomes like a very personal tailor made kind of process where it's not like, you know, I see 20 or more clients. I'm not the same therapist for all of them right just like i wouldn't be the same parent for every child you know obviously there's something about me but ideally what we're doing in therapy um is responding to like that specific needs of the person um in relationship with them right not what um so that that could be like a really that's where like therapy can just be really powerful because it is really being in the moment with where you are with another human being bearing witness, like you said, with the so beautiful, I love the idea of the tarot cards as the witnesses. Yeah. Um, I'm going to hold that one. I'm going to keep that with me. I love that. Yeah. Um, and, but you know, but there's a real person here right now, right. Yeah. Who's like taking it in. And, well, know. and that's why I say in the book, I think that it makes it an amazing tool, but also a challenging one because it doesn't yes. help another person. Very challenging. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're going yeah. to a group, it involves a group of people and there's so much opportunity in that, but that it can be intimidating, especially as a young person. I yes, think. But very much so. So worth it if you can find the right relationship. Yeah, for that's sure. Right. Um, Absolutely. I really like I really like what you're saying also about the realizing when you're shooting. And that's, and seeing even that as an opportunity, um, Mm -hmm. because it's sort of like, right, like I realize I'm shooting and then I'm mad at myself. Like, uh, why did you make, why did you expect that of yourself? Why are you being so mean to yourself? Like, I'm yelling at myself because I'm being mean to myself. <laughs> like the layers, the um, layers. Like, yeah. why weren't you self-compassionate, you idiot? <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? Like, okay, so the, that as like an opportunity to 
return to tenderness is yeah. sort of like, oh, it like, does. look at, yeah, you look at yourself. Look like you struggled with that. You're struggling. Yeah. That's, you're struggling. You're yeah. struggling. That that idea of compassion for self, it has to be really literal. It has to be really yeah. like, I, I see myself and I have tenderness for mm-hmm. what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. I mean, that yeah. to me, I mean, not to make this my therapy session with you, but that is very helpful for me right now yeah. about that that way. Because I think even yeah. when I catch myself, having unreasonable expectations i don't inject that tenderness i inject more judgment <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> no it's what we it's, it's true that's our that's our that's our habit right? yeah so a lot of what we're talking about is happening habitually it's not happening consciously like we're not consciously choosing to beat ourselves up it's like happening as habit so it's part of it is sort of beginning to develop new habits like do i need is this habit helping me (laughs) you know um and habits take time they take practice they take repetition they take you know um falling off sometimes right so that's but it's a really could be a really healthy habit right to be able to do that well something else i wanted to talk to you about um and I've already kept you longer than I said I was going to, but I just like... No, talking. this is fun. I'm like, <laughs> okay. about to share the card with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was thinking about um, how... I, and I wanted to know if you've observed this in yourself or in people you work with, um, that the pandemic has been this funny moment where because we were sort of in uncharted territory as a collective it was almost like a lot of shoulds got removed it almost became a little bit like i don't know how to feel and there are sure. expectations of how to feel or what to do because we haven't done this before yeah and that to me was um kind of exciting it felt a little bit like a clean slate moment of I mean, that was also because we're all isolated, so you're not really being witnessed as much necessarily, that it felt like this thing of, yeah, there, I, I'm out of expectations for how to feel and act because I don't know what this is. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, and going back, yeah, with the sh- like one of the things about the pandemic is I think a lot of the shoulds kind of fell to the side, right? Because nobody was saying like, oh, I should go out right now and I should be like mm-hmm. meeting new people. And like, it was like we, that in a way, and people talk about that. Like I had a lot of clients that really like res- in the beginning, I mean, it was horrible, obviously. And people were really, you know, a lot of people were not doing well in different whatever, but like, you know, there's two sides, many sides to every experience. Right. And mm-hmm. I think one of the sides of it was a sort of liberation from some shoulds, right. That had been there, you know, in operating people's lives. And they were really able to like, stop, like kind of take inventory. Yeah. Be like, okay, do I, do I really want to be doing that thing? Right. Do I really mm-hmm. want to be like navigating through there um the, the situation again it was like this kind of really good pause button you know yeah um but i think for speaking to young people specifically i mean i i, I that's the last thing i would have wanted as a young person to have to do to like <laughs> you know, like i really have so much sympathy and empathy for young people who had to go through that especially you know queer people people that already like they're their home lives might've been like really stressful. They found a lot of their connection identity outside of the house. I mean, sure there's online stuff, but like online stuff takes privacy. And a lot of times people don't have that. And it could also, I don't know, it could be, you know, problematic. Um, So it's really hard. So I think, you know, for young people, especially coming out of this, like more tools, the better. Right. Yeah. And, um, and really, t- I think, yeah, talking specifically about it, Kate, I think that's a really, yeah, for bringing it up, I think it's a really important thing to, like, really address with people, like, what are they, yeah, what's kind of still in there from that time, and what are they kind of moving forward with, and how did things change? It's a, I think it's an important thing to explore, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I was really glad to be working on this book during these years 
is because I think I felt like there was a lot that I wanted to leave behind. There was a lot that I felt like doesn't need to come forward anymore because in the silence and the isolation of this, um, a lot of that noise just proved itself to be unimportant, right? I mean, it's a huge yeah. cliche to be like these these big moments of of life and death and disaster, you know, bring us back to what's really important. But I felt that and I felt like we as a collective were being asked to reevaluate so much. And mm-hmm. so my hope is that this book helps us helps us, all of us, helps any reader who picks it up to sort of like do that job of sifting through of what are we bringing forward? Mm-hmm. What is actually, like you're saying, what is serving you? What habits are serving you? What is not needed anymore? And we yeah. can always, we can do that every day, but this has been such a big collective moment to do that. I've, I've found that to be really powerful that I know I'm not just going through that alone, actually, even though we were all separate, we're all going through this crisis that can be made into a reevaluation. Yeah. Right. And it's, and it's also very much like a privilege to be able to do that. Right. Cause like a lot of people, you know, depending on the economic background you're in and it could be, it's really like, uh, survival time. Like we're talking about like, how do I thrive from this? Right. Yeah. Because we, you know, presumably had like resources to be able to survive it. Yeah. You know? So that's definitely a place of privilege and like, but, um, but I think that's important work to do because then I think it keeps us, it keeps our like values in check and we can't have the energy to like, I don't know, serve other needs for people. Um, well, and even but. in that survival, I think there is a sense of, um, you know, I just worry, especially about young people, the ideas of achievement that are drilled into them, even not just by school, but by like reality shows, by like the voice, you know, by an idea of I should, again, the shoulds, I should be very, I should have money, I should be successful, I should be f- famous, you know, these ideas that are very wide ranging around capitalism um, that I think prevent us from seeing what's in front of us, right? Because it's that Mm -hmm. imagined future. It's I should have more without knowing what that more actually brings or is. Yeah. It serves you or not. Yeah. So that's yeah, I think that's a good, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think a good guiding question, right, could be like, you know, okay, let's say I, I achieve that thing that I'm shooting, that I'm supposed to have. Like, does that get me closer to my true self, you know, whatever mm-hmm. that is? Like some people, you know, right? Does that get me closer to me? Or is that getting me closer to this idea of like, what I should be this part of myself I'm trying to build up in order to get like a kind of external approval, you know, from other people, like we call like more of a false self some uh, oftentimes, you know, um, and, and, you know, a lot of times that true self is really, people aren't comfortable with it. Right. Cause they're not getting that immediate validation. You know, I know things are changing for some queer young people, but not all. Yeah. There's still like a lot of not wanting to be queer Right. Mm-hmm. And like trying to do anything to like kind of fix it or not be that thing, kind of keep it at a distance. And mm-hmm. um, that distance can be um, really painful after a while, like between mm-hmm. like our truth, who we are and like what we should be. <laughs> you know, it's almost like you can we can kind of measure, you know, aspects of like our health and mental, spiritual health by like the degrees of that thing, you know, how, how far apart are those things or how close are they yeah. can really give you like a key, a, a window into like, okay, well, yeah. Where am I mentally, spiritually, emotionally, like, um, 
the more acceptable things are a lot of times like, you know, the better we might feel in the, um, you know, one of the things mm-hmm. you, you had also brought out in the book that we had talked about was accepting that, like, I, I, you don't have to have this all figured out on your own, right? Like, I should, but I should figure it out by myself. Like, I'm 30, I'm 15, whatever the age is, right? We have these ideas that I'm old enough now or I shouldn't have to ask for help. And um, sometimes we don't really learn, you know, fully how to ask for help. And so, like, that is an important thing to accept that, like, I don't have, you know, this idea that I have to do it on my own maybe isn't really accurate, you know? I mean, when um, I think about, I read in the book about being 22 and going to my first, um, natal chart reading. And I just remember having this feeling when I walked in of, I should, I'm 22. I've, I've graduated from college. I have an apartment. I live on my own. I should feel like I know what I'm doing, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is so 20 years later, so absurd to me now. Of course I didn't know what I was doing. And was I like, that's insane. So, right. But we do that to ourselves. Yeah. I should, yeah, I should know what I'm doing. I should feel like I've accomplished something at this point in my life. I should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a lot of, I mean, I blame our system of education a little bit for an idea of, we've set up these habits of achievement and what achievement looks like on a daily basis that is very different from what achievement in real life looks like. You know, if you're a straight A overachiever student who is very, very used to that constant validation for your hard work and, you know, you're very concerned with getting into a a fancy college and you do well at that college and you, you have all these markers for yourself that are all completely external. Yeah. The world doesn't always, I mean, sometimes the world works that way, but it doesn't most of the time. It does not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think it's very confusing. Yeah. It was for me. Yeah. Well, so speaking of straight A's and achievements, so mm-hmm. the card, I want to show the card that Please. I for you. <laughs> um, so I pulled this. Oh, hey. No, very hey. autumn, very hey. autumn season. Oh my gosh. Hello, farmer. Um, yeah. And I was just thinking about how, yeah, it's sort of like, yeah, this book is, right? It's a moment of this. It's a moment of your hard work and, you know, all these things you kind of learned from the world. And then, you know, just like your access to the knowledge you've had, the experiences you've had, some of the privilege you've had, right. has kind of like led to this moment. And, um, and it's like a moment to kind of just be with the success, like kind of in the moment. Right. Um, but then if you look closer, right, there's like this, the face is kind of like, I don't know. They're kind of, they're a little forlorn in some way. So, you know, so in my mind, I was, I was more, I was like, oh, I, sh-, you know, I just accomplished all this stuff. I should feel better about it. Right. <laughs> I should feel like more of an expert or what's it going to be like next year? Am I going to be able to achieve the same harvest next year? You know? Right. Yep, that's it. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> well, and not to, I mean, not to make this about me, but it is like I have had this year after, after years and years of working on stuff and not having it published and, and projects just taking forever. Everything happened this year. Yeah, I had my novel come out in the spring. We had our baby this summer, like this other book. And I'm like, this isn't, I'm going to have five more years of nothing after this, which I'm fine with, but I've definitely had that on my mind. Like, why is it so much at once? Uh, And it's not like a sustainable life. Yeah. That's very on the nose. Thank you for that. Yeah. Welcome. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. The seven of it's the seven, you know, to people who aren't familiar with the card, it's the seven of pentacles. Yeah. And the pentacles represent kind of the earth, you know, material, kind of, uh, you know, maybe possessions, things of the physical realm. Right. Right. Things that can be kind of measured um, and valued um, in that kind of way. So I don't know. I think it's a, I thought That's it was perfect. very, very fitting for today. Yeah. yeah. As I was thinking about your book. Um, so, yeah. So I guess it's about like being in the moment with this 
exciting success of the, you know, of just sort yeah. of finishing this, right? And putting it out there as a tool for all these people that are going to use it however they're going to use it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I feel very um, happy with this as a kind of offering that I have no expectations at all about yeah. how it will be received because it felt very... It just happened in a really natural way. I mean, I think also, um, you know, getting to have conversations with people who I love talking to just brought so much ease to the process for me that I hope that's reflected in it. And then it can be sort of like received with that kind of um, energy of just like this stuff can be easy and fun and there's so much possibility here and it doesn't have to be so heavy and hard. Yeah. Um, I also want to say just one thing. Yes. It was sweet hearing you read my little bio that I written at the time. But since then, two months ago, my little cat bear died. Oh my gosh. I know, but it was, it was sweet now thinking about it. You know, it's like this, you know, it's a little like memorial to him that he's mentioned in this book. And he's just been such like after his, like the past, two and a half months after his death has been such a, I don't know, it's been a very spiritual journey and kind of time for me and like really feeling that grief in a very unsuspected kind of way, very like unknown. I didn't expect it, you mm-hmm. know, from um, this little creature who I'd had for 18 years, like passing away. Um, and yeah, it was a lot of like, God, should I still be feeling this, you know? And it was like, wait, what do you mean? Should I still be feeling this way or, grieving in this way it's sort of like yeah it's gonna unfold how it's gonna unfold right grief does that that was the same when my my cat who was 15 died actually fall of 2019 and it was uh so the grief was so intense that it was almost like when the pandemic started I was like okay like I had already felt this complete upheaval and my world turned totally upside down by this that I was like yeah that makes sense that mm. this <laughs> it was so I'm, I feel you completely it's really yeah. I mean and I it's funny too because I also the the for these books I had to take the cats out of my bio and it was sort of this heartbreaking moment Aww. like they're gone because the other one died and then the other one died uh summer of 2020 she hung on just to spite him she she always she was like i'm gonna outlive you buddy <laughs> <laughs> good for her good for yeah. her yeah she was 18 and she was like she Aww. never accepted her little brother she was like i'm outliving him anyway i'm so sorry about bear but thank i'm you. glad thank you they're memorialized yeah. on this yeah me too Oh, the pets, the pets, it's so the intense. Pets. Yeah. Um, well, I want to pick us an oracle card from this is the Great. Vessel Oracle deck, which is my favorite. Cute. Cute little deck. Let's see what we get. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay, especially in relationship to what you picked. Okay, I just picked two. Defeat and choice. Okay. Cool. Uh, Very good. Okay, I don't I think that that's for me. <laughs> I mean if you feel free to take what you want from that, but that feels like <laughs> that feels very personal actually when I pulled. I mean to me that's like Do you usually pull two cards, Kate? I usually pull two. I like to pull two. Is I usually tarot too, or is this differently with tarot? Is it I us- differently then? I usually end a tarot reading with pulling two oracle cards. Okay, that's how I like to end a tarot reading, um, just to be a little bit like and and asking sort of like advice going forward. What what are like the keywords I can look at mm. um, as advice going forward? I mean, to me that that feels like. Right. The moments of defeat where we said we should feel a certain way and we yeah. don't are like, you're actually can choose yeah. what you bring to that moment. Mm-hmm. You're not stuck in it. Yeah. 
think about that. That's great. What mm-hmm. can I see the picture of the defeat? Is it a star with its hands down? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right? Even stars need to be like not sparkly. Something. I love how many eyes they have. I know. They have, like five eyes. Oh. And he's just sort of like overwhelmed. It's almost a little it. bit like the expression is is like, oh, I tried so hard. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> this feels like a very like I have a two month old baby kind of yeah. pull to yeah. me, and then yeah. here we've got choice. Right. Yeah, I have, I have things I could reach for. I could people I can ask for help. Yeah. Different ways of perceiving this moment. I can look at it from different angles. Yeah. I can hold it in different ways. Beautiful. What a gorgeous drawing. I love that. I love yeah. this. So much. Yeah. Um, Aram, thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> You're welcome, Kate. It's this so great to talk with you. And me it makes too. me so happy that you're a part of this book it really means a lot to me yeah no thank you for asking me i love i don't know the when i read your first i think it was your first novel um Mm -hmm. and um yeah you just have a really beautiful way of getting to like the heart of matters and like really being in touch with that the importance of you know, getting of touching our queerness, our light, like community, you know, helping each other, um, you know, creating that type of space. I think it's, it's really great that you're just focusing your energy in all these different ways. Um, yeah. So I hope you keep doing it. <laughs> We're gonna try. Yeah. Yay. Well, I hope yeah. to see you in person sometime soon. We will for sure. I want to meet Frida. Yeah, and, you yes. And you, Amanda, again. So, yeah. Yeah. Yay. Thank you so okay. much. All right. Mwah. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone Bye. that joined in on this. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Hey, this is Kate Skelsa. Thanks so much for listening to our conversation. If you want to know more, check out my website, kateskelsa.com. Hey, we're at the tower. Can come.